Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. On today's episode, we are going to be doing our spoiler-heavy discussion on Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. We're going to be talking a little bit about the plot, as well as our thoughts on all of the twists and turns that happen throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe a theory or two. Perhaps. <laughs> 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was supposed to enter the Scribe Quadrant living a quiet life among books and history. Now the commanding general, also known as her toughest talents mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Navarre, Dragon Riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter. Like Zayden Ryerson, the most powerful and ruthless wing leader in the Rider's Quadrant. She'll need every edge her wit can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet, with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly the kingdom's protective wards are failing. The death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. Friends, enemies, lovers, everyone at Basquiat War College has an agenda. Because once you enter, there are only two ways out. Graduate or die. So we start off our book with our main character, Violet Sorengale, who is a 20-year-old daughter of a high-up general. Um, Her mother is General Sorengale, which I guess carries quite a lot of um, impact and power, that name. Mm -hmm. Her father is deceased. He was a scribe. There are four quadrants. So we mentioned this in the uh, non-spoiler review discussion. There are four quadrants. It is the Rider's Quadrant, the Scribe scribe (laughs) Quadrant, the Healer Quadrant, and the Infantry Quadrant. Mm -hmm. So although we don't, actually in this book, we don't really get to see the Infantry uh, Quadrant, but we do uh, hear a lot about the Scribe Quadrant. I'm having such a hard time saying that. Because Violet was actually trained for the past six years with the intention of becoming a scribe like her father. Mm-hmm. She, when her father passed away, though, her mom was like, no, no Soren Gale is going to be a scribe. We are all riders. And she essentially hired someone basically to give Violet a crash course to prep her for going into the riders quadrant in the previous the six months leading up to the start of this book yeah and most people are trained as we said before for years like she trained for six years and these quadrants are basically different sectors of a college like a war college so 
people around 20 years old in this world can choose to attend this war college and specialize in one of the four quadrants. Mm-hmm. And that's their way to sort of serve their country. Uh, it's not actually referred to as a country, but in terms of understanding. Yes, exactly. So the relationship between Violet and her mother, General Soren Gale, is very chilly. (laughs) (laughs) Intense. It's very intense. There doesn't, there's no love lost between them. (laughs) Um, Her older brother is also deceased and it seems Mm -hmm. like he was, so there was an uprising of all these like rebels and uh, the Tyrish rebels. And in that um, uprising, her her older brother Brannon, who was a rider, was killed. Mm-hmm. So when they squashed the or quashed, I guess the uprising, General Sorengale ordered um, Zayden Riorson, who is another character in this book, um, ordered his father's death execution. So as a sort of like making the children pay for the sins of the parents, they have made it so that any um, offspring of the Tyrish rebels that were caught or whatever, they are forced to become riders. Mm -hmm. So, and once you learn about what it is to become a rider, that is a huge punishment. If you yeah. don't want to be a rider, like, woo. And it's very unheard of because although they're not in a time of conscription now, so people can choose to go to the college, in the past there has been conscription. However, the rider's quadrant has always been by choice, even during those times. Yeah. So they've never forced anybody to become a rider. Except so it's a pretty big kids. yes, it's a pretty big punishment. The fact that they aren't having a choice over that, yeah. But as dim as Violet's family kind of sounds, she does have a lovely sister who is like fighting for her the best she can. Mm-hmm. And her sister is like her mom in the sense that she's like very strong and is a rider. Like she fits the bill of a rider, but she's mm-hmm. like fighting for Violet to get to become a scribe as she had been trained to, but the mom is not budging. No. So Violet's sister name, sister's name is Mira. So Mira was off fighting. She's graduated everything. She's made a good name for herself uh, that we find out at the beginning of the, the book. Um, people seem to like know of her and the things mm-hmm. that she's done. So like she's kind of carrying on that strong Sorengale legacy, but she, she is terrified that Violet has to go into the rider's quadrant because, mm-hmm. you know, from other people's perspectives consistently throughout the story, we're always, people are wanting to protect Violet. She's, apparently very fragile (laughs) physically Mm -hmm. violet has a chronic uh i I want to say it's chronic but i think it's just her physiology she's just got like over stretchy like ligaments and tendons so she's it's easy for her to get injured because she also has 
only been kind of working out or training for six months. So she hasn't also developed like the muscle around her ligaments and tendons to protect her joints, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so we see her getting injured quite a lot throughout the story due to that until like Imogen comes to help her like get stronger. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's, is alluded to that when she was either in vitro or like a baby, she, something happened. Like there was some sort of, I don't know if it was an illness or what, but she, something happened to her as a baby and she was born with like, her hair goes from like brown to silver because Mm -hmm. of whatever it was, but it's definitely alluded to that something abnormal happened to her when she was either being developed or as a baby the theories that are running through my head right now yeah I wonder if that will because it's yeah I wonder if that's going to be significant yeah Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really explain it just they keep saying like she's sick or she's weak and alluding to it a lot and it stems from like her birth but we don't really get an idea of why or what the extent of it is other than like she is constantly being injured and is thought of as a quote-unquote weak person. But her silver hair, I wonder if that's going to come into play later? Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely came into play in this book in the sense that she had to hide it, and that was one of the first things her sister did is like, okay, you have to go into the rider's quadrant, so I'm going to braid your hair in a crown so that we can hide the ends of your hair within the top of the braid so Mm -hmm. people can't see the silver. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like a telltale sign of who she is. Like it her is. hair like, is a beacon like Violet. Yeah. I just wonder though, like if it'll come into play, like I'm just thinking about how the dragons like mark people mm-hmm. with relics. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the hair is some kind of like mark of some something more meaningful. Yeah. Maybe when she was a baby or like in her mother's womb, like she was marked even before she was born. And that was like the effect of it. So that's what I'm I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking that that just came into my mind. So it's not like a well thought out theory, but I'm just wondering. No, I like it. Um, I want to discuss my other theories, but we have to get further along in the timeline first. (laughs) (laughs) So Violet's sister is, Mira is helping her get ready and she's trying to give her as much information as she can in the moments walking up to the first sort of initiation, which is the parapet. So for riders to even enter the rider's quadrant, they need to pass over a parapet. And that's kind of like, if you can't even get across this, then you're not gonna Worthy. be successful yeah and it just so happens to be a incredibly windy rainy day so it's making this experience much more difficult than on an average day and the first thing her sister does like they do the braid in the hair and then she gives her better gear so she gives her proper boots with grip so she won't slip in the rain she gives her a vest made out of dragon scales 
as that she like plucked from her own personal dragon. And then she has a friend whose magic is to shrink objects. So shrunk down each of the scales. So she has this impenetrable vest that she can wear. And her sister's like, oh, wear it all the time. It has all these daggers kind of in it that she can use. Because the rule is you can only take with you to the quadrant what you can, what you can carry. Yeah. And so her sister's like throwing all her books out of her bag, being like, you will fall off of this with one gust of wind. You cannot carry this heavy of a bag. You can't take any of your books except for like one that actually talks about being in that quadrant. And, and she's like yeah. so okay. sad because like books are her life up until six yeah. months ago. <laughs> yeah. Her having all that scribe training was extremely beneficial though. Mm-hmm it gave her so such an edge in the rider's quadrant. Like it, it made up for her lack of physical ability. Um, yes. And because the physical strength is something you can train into yourself, but the, what she has, like all of that learning she did for mm-hmm. preparing to be a scribe is not something that any other rider has. So it gives her a huge edge. Yeah. And they can access books so once you got over there, I guess if somebody wanted to, but they're so busy with training and stuff, it's just really not a focus. No. So one of the first sort of character developing moments we see from Violet is she meets somebody called Rhiannon on her way up to the parapet. So she has to like climb this tower that's quite a high up. And she meets this girl Rhiannon and asks her to show her the bottom of her shoes and sees that Rhiannon is wearing the same kind of shoes she was wearing before, the super slippery shoes, and is like, switch shoes with me. I thought at first they like completely switched shoes, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. But it turns out they switched one shoe each, so that each of them had one really grippy shoe and then one not good shoe. Yeah, because like, Mira had up- given her like r- proper rider boots mm-hmm. that were very like grippy, and yeah, Rhiannon didn't have that, so. No. And yeah, so they each had one good shoe and one bad shoe. And it ended up kind of saving both of them in the sense that like Rhiannon would have fallen off if she didn't mm-hmm. have those shoes. And also, I think it really cemented the relationship. And I think it was a very beneficial relationship for It's pretty Violet. funny because Mira told her like, don't make friends. And the first mm-hmm. thing she does is she makes a friend, like before she even gets to the parapet. There's this really arrogant, horrible character behind her. His name is Jack Jack Barlow. And he's just so aggressive. And then there's this other friendly guy uh, in front of them. I can't even remember his name. And her and Rhiannon and this other friendly guy, he's like telling them about how, oh, he's going to get engaged and he's got like this lady love back at home. And then they get up on the the parapet and they're waiting their turn and this little dude who's like so excited about life goes out onto the parapet and falls to his death so yeah we learn very quickly that you know like you actually don't know who's gonna die I thought oh okay so it's gonna be like Rhiannon Violet and then this third person and they're gonna be like the little threesome squad in this book but then he went and died (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I can't even remember his name now so yes (laughs) I remember reading that and then immediately sent you a message and I was like, oh, so anyone can die. Don't get attached. And then I went and got attached and I I shouldn't have. I know. It like, you are warned up front. 
anyone can die at any minute. Don't get attached. But it's so hard not to with the characters in this book. It, it is. And while Violet is crossing the parapet and Rhiannon's ahead of her, and I guess it's like just really stormy. The rain is just coming. It's the worst possible conditions basically for them to cross. Mm-hmm. So she can't even really see through like all the, this is how I was picturing it in my mind. She can't even like really see through all like the, the rain coming down. She can sort of see Rhiannon sometimes and other times not. And she can hear Jack behind her being like, oh, I'm coming for you, Soren Gale. And he yeah. like pushes another person off the parapet and he's just like ready to just, he's like a killing machine. Yeah, he is somebody who we will hear more about as the story goes on because he kind of becomes like enemy number one for a lot of the story. He is yeah. out for her for no reason, I guess because he knows who she is. He knows but who even- she is, but apparently she's quite petite and they mm-hmm. see that as a sign of weakness in the rider's quadrant. And so um, it it says in, I think, the codex, the rider's codex, that mm-hmm. like no... Um, cadet shall be punished for basically killing off a weaker cadet yeah it's <laughs> like almost part of their job to weed out the weak yeah well it's so weird but when violet gets off the end of the parapet she she like turns around it's like really intense because it's like jack is gonna catch her he's about to catch her and when she gets off she like whips around whips out one of her daggers and sticks it into his like, well, she puts it manhood near area. his manhood area. <laughs> it's like, how do I say this delicately? <laughs> and uh, she holds it there and she's like, basically like, and I was like, oh, she's going to cut off his manhood area. But Violet's not like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just wanted to make sure he wouldn't hurt her and that he would yeah. step off the parapet and not hurt her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but even yeah, before she, she made a pretty good enemy. Even before she ends up walking across the parapet, she ends up meeting somebody. And one of the kind of advice that her sister gives her is do not get anywhere near Zayden. And the first person like she meets like other than the other trainees is Zayden because he's Mm -hmm. on the the close side of the parapet like before you cross it he's marking people's names to see you know who's come in and so she like he's the first person she meets who's like older than her and already part of the quadrant and there's like this intense moment of like i know who you are you know who i am and violet also feels this intense attraction towards him regardless of the Mm -hmm. fact that she's not supposed to well she she sees him not knowing who he is and then is like, ooh, hi, in <laughs> yeah. her mind. And then yeah. finds out it's Zayden and then she's like, oh, dang it. And yeah. she's like, he's going to kill me. I'm not even going to get a step out on the parapet. He's just going to chuck me right over. And yeah. like basically like says like, you're just going to kill me. And he's yeah. like, why would I kill you? You're just going to fall anyways. I'm not going <laughs> to bother. Why would I? Why do I need to do anything? So yeah. that was like our introduction to Zayden and him. Like there's clearly some very aggressive tension between the two of them there is but on my second read through I looked at it completely differently and I'll discuss my theories with you when we get further along in the timeline (laughs) no I I think I know where potentially where you're going with this and I think I agree with you but yeah we will will see (laughs) and another person she was so she was told not 
to interact with Zayden, like stay away from him. But she was told to meet up with her friend Dane. So Dane is a family friend, someone she grew up with because his dad is high ranking as well. So their families would often be stationed together. They grew up just like climbing trees and getting into some trouble together. And there's always been like a little attraction, I think more so on her part to him. She doesn't know how he feels about her. But I think she had a little crush on him growing up like the older friend of the family. Yeah. And it's very much that stereotypical boy next door trope of like, he's the good guy. The family likes him. He always does the right thing. And he's a bit older. And so we have this dynamic between the two. He seems very protective of her right off the bat, very suspicious of Rhiannon and their sudden friendship. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like almost like family, but she's like, definitely you can tell has like a little crush on him. Mm hmm. So after she like reunites with Dane, because he, sorry, yeah, this is what I was thinking of earlier. Dane is now in second year. So he he couldn't correspond with her or his family. So they were quite close, it sounds like, growing Mm -hmm. up, like besties. And so they they get to reunite. And like he actually, like she's shaking pretty bad from all the adrenaline and everything. And he takes her to where no one can see and she's like throwing up. Yeah. And uh, because you don't want to like reveal weakness in the rider quadrant. So, but anyways, and um, Rhiannon kind of wants to like make sure she's okay too. And I'm like, okay, this Rhiannon chick seems pretty cool. Yeah. I like her. The way that it's set up is there are like wings. So you have wing leaders and they're kind of like at the top of the chain of command in the like cadet situation in the school. And then there's the sections, so the talon, claw, and tail. And then each section has three squads. And Dane has done so well for himself that he's risen to squad leader mm-hmm. of his, of his uh, squad. So the idea was that she was to get into Dane's squad where he could protect her somewhat yeah yeah and she does end up going into his squad but something kind of strange happens because he was in the second wing he was part of the second wing his squad was in that section and then once everything was discovered of like violet is going into his squad they end up taking his entire squad and switching his squad with one of the squads in fourth wing And that is obviously where we get the title of our book is Violet is ultimately put in fourth wing. And the reason for this is the wing leader of fourth wing is Zayden. And he wants her where he can see her. Yeah. Pretty smart. Mm. So there's 36 squads total. So there's this thing they've got to prepare for that like, basically in my opinion like the most important thing but then as we well at least I thought it was the most important thing it's called threshing (laughs) yes that's what I thought was going to be like the big the ultimate climax of the book is threshing threshing yeah me too but then it just kept going and there was other big things too and I was like this Mm -hmm. is awesome threshing is just like minor in the grand scheme of things it was just the first step to all the other big things yeah yeah so threshing is Basically, like, the day they are, like, put through literally the gauntlet. (laughs) There's something they have Mm -hmm. to go through called the gauntlet. (laughs) 
Ah, it's so funny now that I think about it. But um, so, <laughs> so they have to like go through a series of like tests, and then they also have to go and see if a dragon will pick them to be their rider. Because like they're like, oh, there's like talk of um, oh, which dragon will I pick? But like as you get to learn about it, you realize that the riders don't really have a choice. The dragon yeah. either chooses them or they don't get a dragon. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 100% the dragon's choice. Yeah. And the rider is literally just along for the ride. <laughs> Dragons are very unforgiving. And we see this actually like right after the parapet because uh, we have um, Zayden and then a couple of other wing leaders and their dragons all come and land on the mm-hmm. like yeah, the edge, the edge. And I remember Dane like being like, oh, we're going to have to get the masons back up here. It's like stones are flying <laughs> off. <laughs> and um, Zayden's dragon is there and she's huge. And yeah, they will just incinerate anyone they think is like mm-hmm. a waste you of look space. look at them They're wrong. Like, you shouldn't be here. And then they incinerate them. Mm-hmm. They sense weakness in you. They'll just be like, yeah. gone. Yeah. So, yeah, and what's super interesting about the dragon and the dragon rider bond is that if the rider dies, the dragon's, like, sad about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, it's upsetting for the dragon, but the dragons can often go on to bond with another rider if they choose to later on in their life. But if the dragon dies... The rider dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very, very powerful bond. But before they can even get to threshing, they have to go through a couple things. They have to mm-hmm. do some combat training and they have to get through the gauntlet. And the combat training is like just one-on-one fighting, but with allowed murder. <laughs> if you so they you're not supposed to just randomly kill people, but as we mentioned. If you are weak and they think it's for the good of the wing, then they can eliminate weak individuals. Yeah. So And they won't be punished for it. Violet is... (laughs) She's on the weaker side in comparison, like physically in comparison to the people she's going to have to combat against. Well, and she just doesn't have the training. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has very, very minimal training. She has really good armor, but she has to be clever about it. And thankfully, she is one of the most clever people. And she comes up with like a really cool plan to make sure that she does win and progress through the combat section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she basically like finds out who she's going to be facing and cha- like challenging on um, the days that she's supposed to be fighting. And then she goes out and collects like poisonous herbs or plants and then just Mm -hmm. gives a low enough dose just to give her enough of an advantage to win each time. (laughs) Yeah, which is so clever. So while Violet is out kind of picking all the different berries and herbs for her poison, she ends up running into Zayden, who is meeting with a bunch of other children of the kind of rebels or the people who kind of tried to overthrow and they all are marked with rebellion relics like tattoos signifying that they are the offspring of those individuals 
And there's a rule that anyone who is marked can only meet in groups of three. So it's very illegal. It's like death sentence worthy illegal that they're meeting in this massive group. So she's like hidden up in a tree, kind of trying to figure out why they're meeting. It's like quite nefarious and she's not sure what to think of it. And she ends up finding out something about Zayden in that moment. All the other kids go and she realizes that he's just like trying to help them, like help them to train and make sure they have a chance to get through to threshing. And she realized like, it's not anything necessarily nefarious. It's just like him trying to be a good person. He's just looking out for them. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we find out he has something called shadow powers where he knew she was in the tree because he basically commands shadows. And so he, like she was hiding in the shadow. So like, it was like, basically he could see her. Yeah. (laughs) They had this conversation and it's like, kind of this heated-ish conversation of like, oh, is he just going to kill me already? And she agrees to keep his secret of not saying that they were meeting. And he owes her one, essentially. Yeah. And it's it's kind of cool because throughout the story, it happens a few times where Zayden is kind of like studying Violet and he goes, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he's like, just like really studying her and thinking like, hmm, you're interesting. This is not like. He's trying to figure her out and she keeps surprising him. Yeah. And eventually they have to get through the gauntlet and the gauntlet is almost like a, not a maze. What do you call it? Like obstacle course Mm -hmm. on the side of a mountain that they have to get through in order to get to the field that threshing is taking place at. So they do get a couple attempts and they have to do it with their squad. So the faster your squad is able to get through the gauntlet, the higher chance that they get to like see the dragons first and then will potentially be like selected by a dragon. So you're trying to like get through this obstacle course as fast as you can. And everyone in your squad should get like the more people who get through it fast is better for your squad as a whole. Cause you're kind of doing it as a team and they're practicing and Violet is having a bit of a harder time because she's so petite. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that she's weak. It's just, she's literally tiny and can't reach one of the last obstacles that she has to get through. Yeah, and that last that one of the last obstacles she has to get through is actually mimics like a dragon. So it would be like how you would mount a dragon. And but she's a smart cookie and mm-hmm. she was also talking to was it Zayden actually? Yeah. Yeah, it was Zayden and he was basically like cuz she was basically like I can't make it up like I can't make it up the last part of the gauntlet or whatever and he's like what did he say it was like not the right way is the not right way the is only not, way. not the only way. So she's thinking about that. She's smart. So what she does is she like gets as high as she can, then she throws herself and stabs her daggers in and then mm-hmm. wrenches herself up. And this causes quite the kerfuffle. Yes, because one of the other wing leaders says it's cheating. Mm-hmm. And Violet knows the codex inside and out. She probably knows it better than anyone. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, this is not against the rules. I brought these staggers with me across the parapet. Therefore, they are part of me because anything yeah. you brought with you is considered a part of you. Yeah. And therefore, I can use it because it's an extension of who I am. Yeah. And so it was agreed that she was right and that no rules were officially broken. So she didn't have to like forfeit or anything. So there's this moment where they have to kind of line up and stay a certain distance apart. And then they, the dragons are all lined up too. And they have to mm-hmm. like walk down this path past all of these dragons so the dragons can get a look at them. Yeah, it's like a parade of people for the dragons. The dragons are like the spectators and the people are like the prize. Just, <laughs> I know. And and they have to maintain a certain distance between each other in case a dragon decides to incinerate one of them so you don't get caught in the blast if you weren't like supposed mm-hmm. to be caught in the blast. And yeah. they encourage them to talk amongst themselves so the dragons can get like a sense of who they are. And I just, oh my gosh, I, I was putting myself in, in Violet's shoes and just imagining that would be crazy. That would be mm-hmm. so scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh my and gosh. The dragons in the story come in all different like varieties. And there is one very special dragon that lots of people are interested in because they kind of had dragon school or dragon class where they learned about the different dragons. And there's this one giant black dragon, but as far as I know, he was not willing to bond with anybody, but they still discussed him because he's just such an amazing dragon. And so everyone was kind of like, oh, I wonder if like, we'll get a glimpse of him. So he was like a hot topic of discussion. But then when they actually started walking in, another type of dragon that people weren't expecting to be there was there. So the black dragon didn't show up, but a tiny little gold dragon did and it's a dragon called a featherlight. So they're often described by their feather, tail. Feather tail. Feather tail. Sorry, feather tail. And they're described by their tail, usually in their name. And the feather tail like usually never bonds. So everyone was like really curious why it was there and like watching people because mm-hmm. they're not known to bond. And it was just like just tiny little gold dragon at the end. <laughs> and everyone was super curious about it. Yeah, sounded beautiful. It did sound so beautiful. And like, people were making fun of it. I'm like, how can you possibly make fun of this tiny little gold dragon? Like, I guess because it's all about ferocity and what's the, like, who's the biggest dragon and like, but still, I think even if you maybe didn't want that to be your dragon, you could still appreciate its beauty. But some people were being jerks. There's a lot of jerks in this book, but... Yeah. I I definitely wouldn't be bad mouthing any dragon when I was parading in front of them. Like, I know I was, I was like very worried at that moment the when they were like literally insulting a dragon yeah. to its face. I'm like, <laughs> the people who are being insulting they they got incinerated though. They did. So yeah, and then Violet ends up having a pretty close call because of her vest that she's wearing. Yes, <laughs> it's dragon scale. And the dragons can smell. And they're like, why do you smell like a dragon? Mm-hmm. So these two big green dragons come over and they're like sniffing her and like shoving their noses into her like upper body because that's where the mm-hmm. corset is. Can you just imagine being like checked out by these dragons? Mm-hmm. 
she keeps her cool really well though and she's like oh i bet you can smell like mira's dragon and she explains like what was done there and they're like oh okay and then they go back to their place in the line (laughs) (laughs) well and she's like smart enough to realize like if i just talk to them and explain they'll understand Mm -hmm. so we do eventually get two the threshing so like that was kind of like the parade but then they actually have to go out onto the field and like capture a dragon you don't really capture it you just kind of go out there and see if it'll it's kind of like a big forested area yeah Mm -hmm. um and so they're out trying to see if a dragon will bond with them and of course jack has to be jack and this whole time He's been basically trying to kill Violet and hasn't really had an opportunity to do so. And he and a group of people decide that they are going to go after the little dragon. And their idea is, well, if we can kill weak riders, then it should go that we can kill weak dragons. Like, stupidest logic ever. And Violet can she overhears them or something she knows this is happening so she's like i need to get to the dragon first the little she knew where it was she had climbed up a tree so she was she was able to see where it was and she could see they were heading towards it so she was like i gotta get to the dragon first and warn it Mm -hmm. so that takes all precedent over her finding her own dragon she puts every that all aside to go try and save or at least warn this golden dragon Mm -hmm. yeah and she's like get she does get to it and she's like you need to leave you need to leave and it's like trying to like she just like walks up to it's a little dragon but it's still a dragon and it's still massive compared to her and she's like walking up to it and it's like you need to go and it's just like and then she looks down and sees it doesn't have claws it's got paws so mm-hmm. she's like, oh, are you completely defenseless? Like, you need to go fly away. And then it doesn't. She's like, can you even fly? Yeah. She's like, <laughs> you have no claws. You might not be able to fly. And I don't even know if you can breathe fire yeah. at this point. And I'm pretty sure we find out it cannot. <laughs> and it is completely defenseless. Yeah. And the boys come and start trying to kill it and she violet's just like i'm a tiny person and i will not let you kill this dragon and i will fight you yeah that's what she she stands between them and the dragon and she starts fighting them three of them three big guys against tiny little violet with this little dragon behind her like snapping like (laughs) yeah being all not really doing anything (laughs) yeah (laughs) just kind of being like a a hype dragon (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but then Violet notices that Zayden and his dragon are watching her. Mm-hmm. Watching, but he can't do thing. anything about it. because He's not allowed to interfere. Mm-hmm. So Zayden and Scale are watching this whole thing go down. And just as it starts to like kind of look bad. For, well, I mean, it looks bad for Violet from the beginning because it's three on one. Mm-hmm. But just as it starts to look pretty bad for every Violet... She sees Zayden take a step forward and she knows like he's about to break the rules to come help her. She just knows it like Mm -hmm. in her gut. And then all of a sudden, oh, sorry, I'm just getting like goosebumps. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. All of a sudden, a big, huge dragon lands and it's uh, the big black one that we had talked about earlier that said it wasn't going to bond. Yeah, with anybody. He came down. 
he came down. Yeah. And he chose and he just Violet. Kind of over. Yeah. He and starts talking to her in, mm-hmm. in her mind. And she's like, what is going on? Yeah, and she's still very confused. And he's like, get on me. And he's like kind of gruff with her a little yeah. bit. And she's like, how am I supposed to get on you? Like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> like, you're huge. I can't even. And so and... they have this like hilarious relationship right off yeah. the bat. And then he like, just like, it, he does something a dragon like would never do normally. And he actually kind of like, in a way, bows to her. Like, yeah. so he extends his leg so she can like walk up him walk like up a ramp. Yeah. So and that's very unheard of. for her. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like shocking. And, and then, yeah. And then she gets on and she settles uh, where she's, they're supposed to sit. Mm-hmm. And it's, they, they use like saddle terms, even though it's just like the dragon scales back. So like her hands are too small to grip the pommel. And like the pommel of the saddle is quite often where you'll see like people holding on like riding mm-hmm. Western or English, but her hands are so small and he's so big. Like he's, he's the biggest dragon around except for mm-hmm. general Melgren's dragon. Um, that she like can't really grip very well. Yeah. And so he takes off and she's like flinging Ooh. around and like, mm-hmm. I cannot hold on or whatever. Yeah. And, um, she flies off. <laughs> Like, she oh. just flies right off. And like, okay, this is the end of Violet. Oops. I know. And I thought, oh my God, did she fly off? And now, like, the, the thoughts I had in my head were like, the dragon's going to be so disgusted with her that he's. Yeah, and just like, be like, never mind. I changed my mind. Oh, yeah. You suck. And I think they do. I think some, I think oftentimes if a rider falls off the dragon, the dragon's yeah. like, oh, you yeah. can't handle me. Yeah, they just on, thresh- on threshing. People died because yeah. they took the dragon. They chose each other, and they, on their first flight, their rider fell, and they're like, "Well, I guess you weren't worthy." So, yeah, yeah. But her dragon's kinder. He sees more to her than her ability to stay on his saddle, and he just bloop, picks her yeah. up. Like he that. picks her up, and he flings her back up onto his back, and mm-hmm. he says, "You know, we have to put on a show." So he uses his own magic to clamp her legs down onto him mm-hmm. so she's not even in control of the fact that she's staying on him now he uses yeah. his magic and then they're like spiraling and like doing all these crazy moves and then he's like i think we need our point it's all like disgusted yeah. by it <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he's like the not like the king of drag but he's like kind of the leader of dragons uh in the dragon world everyone follows him he's like legendary mm-hmm. like the dragons are like I want to say like submissive to him almost like yeah I think that's correct and then the unexpected twists kind of keep on coming because once they get back to the landing spot like all the dragons land in formation according to like rank and they land and then she has to go up and give the dragon's name and the way that the person recording it knows is they have to give the dragon's full name and only the writer and the recorder can know the full name like the Mm -hmm. scribe who's doing the recording everyone else like doesn't like that's how you can prove that the dragon dragon has chosen you and so she gives the black dragon's full name and then she hears another little voice in her head yes and it's the golden dragon has come and stayed like landed right next to the black dragon and is said to put down her, her name as well. And then yeah. she like 
says to her dragon, like, what do I do? And he's like, you write or you say her name, like put it down. So her dragon is like agreeing to have another dragon bond with her as well. Yeah. So two dragons. This has never been recorded in history before. She Mm -hmm. has bonded with two dragons. And I was just like, yes. And one being the most. Underdog to the. Yeah. Major major underdog moment there. (laughs) It was awesome. No, it was so cool. And like the black dragon is obviously one of the most, he's the most impressive dragon that is available for bonding. And then the second dragon is a dragon who like is notoriously known to never bond. Mm -hmm. So she's gotten two dragons who were not willing to bond to bond with her. Yeah. And there's like a massive discussion about if this can stand. And then the dragons have to go have a meeting. Because ultimately, yeah. it's not up to the humans whether it can stand. They it has hold to be a meeting. The they have to hold a meeting called the Empyrean, and it's like the humans can squabble over whatever they want, but it's ultimately they have no control over this situation. Mm-hmm. So they hold the Empyrean, and then they come back, and it is it's fine. She's got two dragons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And isn't the book actually called the Fourth Wing, the Empyrean? The mm-hmm. series is called the Empyrean. Oh, series. Yeah. So obviously that is a very important term and like maybe signifies just how important it is that the dragons really do have the final say. Yes, I agree. So this all happens. This is like this insane day of her like, (laughs) and then Jack like bonds with this like smaller dragon and I'm like, Mm -hmm. ah, ah, but (laughs) Her troubles don't end because you'd think, like, she's bonded with the biggest dragon. Like, you think everybody else is going to be like, oh, okay, I, I, like, totally underestimated you. You bonded with two dragons? What? No. The, some people are like that, but it puts a huge target on her back because there's a bunch of riders who are not bond, who didn't bond. Mm -hmm. And while the bond is fresh, new, and ultimately because of that weak, uh, this is a very like vulnerable time for their the dragons and their new riders because the unbonded could potentially come and kill the rider so that they could take their dragon. Mm-hmm. And even someone like Jack, who has a maybe less impressive dragon, can choose to try and still get a more impressive dragon. Yeah. So this puts a huge uh, target on Violet's back. Mm-hmm. Dane is dismayed because he thought once she bonded with Taryn, his name is, that her troubles would be over because it's like, well, she's got like this huge dragon that you don't want to mess with. But mm-hmm. it's simply not the case. Speaking of Dane, he kind of goes for it. Well, on the threshing field, he kisses Violet. And she's yeah. like, this is kind of what I've been dreaming of for a long time now. And yet, there's no spark. Zero spark. Zero spark. No, it was kind of sad. It was sad. Like, she she wanted it for so long. And then mm -hmm. when it happened, she was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like that awkward moment of, oh, yeah, like, what do I do now? Because, like, I think for him, like, he was into it. He was into it. And she was just like, oh, no. Oh, no, no. What has happened? He was into it for sure because she was like, she was like, oh, we can't like, 
we have to just stay friends. And so mm-hmm. she, like we got to talk about, so they end up talking about it and he, he actually brings it up first and he's like, Oh, we can't do this. And she's like, yeah, I agree. And he's like, because it's against the rules. And she's like, Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> she, gets, she gets so exasperated because to her, it's mm-hmm. like his, his like steadfastness and like loyalty towards the rules for Violet she would have like loyalty towards her loved ones, I think first, or like Violet is guided by an internal, excuse me, Violet is guided by an internal moral compass Mm -hmm. more so than written rules. And Dane is not Dane is Dane is guided by the written rule and either doesn't have, or seems to disregard a moral compass. And he's yeah. Anyway, so (laughs) Dane. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that is an incredibly important point in regards to his character is that rules are the utmost important thing Mm -hmm. above all else. She loses quite a lot of respect for him when Mm -hmm. he's telling her this. Yeah, I think in some ways she's like, oh, good. I can just like be like, yes, it's the rules so Mm -hmm. that I don't have to like engage in this awkward conversation about not having enjoyed that. But at the same time, I think she is kind of like, oh, he's maybe not the person I thought he was in some mm-hmm. ways. The fact that he would choose a rule yeah. over friendship. So there's also all this drama going on between like the wing leaders and the, the squad, like all the upper uh, cha- on the chain of command because of what Violet did during the gauntlet, mm-hmm. the way that she. And um, so there's there's like all this unrest and when it comes to like confronting the whole thing because Amber, that's the wing leader who took issue with the way that Violet did things. Like even though Mm. she technically like got off on a technicality, it's like the technicality is the, the rules of the codex. So like you should just like forget about it because she didn't do anything wrong, but she won't let it go. So Amber is still thinking about how, she's PO'd that Violet used her dagger during the gauntlet to get up that final obstacle. She's choked about that. She's not letting it go. And she feels like she feels that I guess Violet is (laughs) needing to pay for this crime. So in the codex, it, one of the rules is that the cadets shall be safe when they're sleeping that no one is to attack another cadet while they sleep that's like the one rule about killing people that they have mm-hmm. not while you're sleeping that's uh like a, i think you get cap that's a capital offense like i think you get yeah oft for that if you do that so violet um she she decides to go to sleep as one does <laughs> at night <laughs> so redundant but anyway and she ends up being attacked and she sees this this amber is the one who unlocked the door for everybody to go in there and attack her and it's Mm -hmm. these unbonded riders who obviously want to like take possession of taryn Mm -hmm. and taryn is she's actually having a dream but taryn wakes her up because he senses what's happening yeah so she's in this like huge fight with these people trying to like not die basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and 
and Darna, her little golden dragon, gets involved and gives... So the reason I guess Feathertails don't bond is because they can't, like... They can't, like, just, like, share their power. They, like, give you their full gift and they don't... It's, it's like, not very controlled. So... Mm-hmm. And Darna gave... Made... Helped Violet, like, gave her the power to stop time. Yeah. Incredible. So Violet, mm-hmm. like, stops time. And it's, like, like, 30 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Like, just very briefly, she stops time. And she's like, what is going on? And then... That gives Zayden enough time to come in and then he just like kills like everybody that's there. So Mm -hmm. she can't believe that it was Amber like was in on this whole thing because like she can believe it, but she doesn't think anyone else will believe her because Amber is obviously a very strict rule follower. She's a wing leader of another Mm -hmm. wing and she and Dane had a thing (laughs) as well Mm -hmm. the previous year. So basically... The reason I bring this up is because A, we learn about Andarna's ability, which is crazy. It seems mm-hmm. like crazy. And then B, when it the whole thing is brought up and she's basically pointing the finger at Amber and Amber's denying it, Dane doesn't believe Violet. And he mm-hmm. is like demanding that she like, take back what she said basically so dane's ability is that if he like grabs onto your head he can see your memories yeah and i think it's like if he puts his hand like on your face kind of yeah so she he's like lunging for her with his hands like well show me mm-hmm. and she's like no because it's like hugely Invasive. violating mm-hmm. and he obviously doesn't believe her. So that was kind of the final nail in the coffin for that relationship because yeah, but she doesn't, she, the reason she jerked back was not because she didn't want him to see her memories because of herself. It was because she didn't want other people to find out about Andarna's ability. And like Taryn mm-hmm. was like, nobody can know. So Taryn, because he's like old and powerful, he was able to show everyone the memory, excluding the part with Andarna's powers so they were able yeah. to then see, and then Amber was like condemned to death. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that dragons typically do. They usually don't share memories. So she had to like sort of give permission, but also ask Taryn to give everyone the memories because it's not really something that's ever done. So again, mm-hmm. he sort of not breaks a rule, but does something out of the ordinary in order to protect Violet or do what she's asking he definitely concedes to her which is like Mm -hmm. so not what dragons do so it's super interesting kind of jumping back to andarna for a second is right after the attack zayden knows something fishy is going on and so the reason why zayden is aware that violet needs help is because his dragon scale and violet's dragon um, Taryn are mates. So they are able to communicate in a special way being mates, which also means that Zayden and Violet are tied together. Like their literal lives are tied together. Cause as we mentioned earlier, if a rider dies, 
then the dragon can be so severely heartbroken that the dragon can die as well. And if a mated dragon dies, then its mate will die. So if Violet dies, then Terran could potentially die from heartbreak. And if Terran dies, then Scale would die from heartbreak. And if Scale dies, Zayden 100% dies. So Violet's life and Zayden's life are linked. So he's like so linked with her now that he's basically become obsessed with her and making sure she's okay. And that's why he was there and why he reacted so strongly to Mm -hmm. the attack. But he also was like, we need to know what happened. Like he recognized that something happened in the room that was beyond explanation. So they go and speak with the dragons and that's when they find out that Andarna has the power to stop time. She gifted that power to Violet, which kind of depletes her as a dragon because she gifts it and doesn't like it's not it's her power it's not Violet's power mm-hmm. and which is very different because she is not a full-blown dra- like she's not an adult dragon she's an she's adolescent. only like two yeah but she she's doesn't want you to call her a baby she's not <laughs> she a baby, a baby. She but she's a baby, baby. and so she was not supposed to leave the veil which is where the the safe spot for the dragons that's like where the dragons reside is in the veil and Mm -hmm. the feather tails don't leave the veil because they are they are still adolescents Mm -hmm. but she's a kind of snarky adolescent who's who's an orphan so they kind of let her get away with things yeah and taryn and scale have kind of adopted her uh which is kind of why the whole situation went down the way it did yeah. <laughs> I just, I just really, really like that storyline. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really adorable. Yeah. But kind of going back to the magic, do you want to explain a little bit about sort of the dragon's magic and how it links and how it's different than Andarna gifting her powers? So I guess what ends up happening is Taren or and Scale or anyone who's bonded to a dragon, they can kind of channel their power to their rider Uh, So at first they can do like lesser magics, like opening doors or like lifting small objects and like grabbing them out of the air or whatever. But what is really important is that they manifest a signet and the signet power is always unique to the rider's individual personality. And it says Mm -hmm. more about the rider than the dragon. So you never know what your signet is going to be. So Dane's signet is reading people's memories. Zayden's is controlling shadows. Um, So the only thing is, is that generally, like once you start channeling, if your signet doesn't manifest within around the average time of six months, you'll like explode. Explode. (laughs) (laughs) You're dead. (laughs) Yeah, the um, magic like builds up and it's yeah. almost like the magic needs to be released in a channeled way. And if it doesn't have that channel to be released, then the magic will explode within you. Yeah. Is what how I read it. I could be 100% wrong, but that was what I was picturing. Yeah. And then there's also signet abilities that are illegal. And so mm-hmm. we see one of those ones kind of crop up. This, this poor guy, his signet manifests and... It's he can read minds like from any, like he could. He doesn't need to touch people. Yeah. No. And the reason that is illegal, obviously, it's a massive security issue. 
So he was going like nuts and he was freaking out. And one of the professors just came over and snapped his neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's capital offense. You have to yeah. die. Oh, so. and as you were mentioning the situation with Amber and like eventually Violet was proven to be correct. And Amber was put to death because of mm-hmm. that, which obviously made Violet very sad because something we know about her as a character is she doesn't kill people. She always finds a way to disarm her opponents and mm-hmm. never kills people. Never so this is the them. first person who has died because of directly because of something she did. Yeah. Like even the boys who attacked her, she had an opportunity to kill one of them. Like, uh, sorry, the boys who attacked uh, Andarna, she had an opportunity to kill one of them because he had been passed out and she chose to let him live. I think she has the opportunity to kill people quite often just because mm-hmm. she's so good with her throwing daggers. But she always yes. goes for the shoulder to disarm mm-hmm. them rather than like the heart or the neck or the eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So she, she, I think, could be quite deadly if she chose to be. But yes, I agree. She, Yeah, she has a soft side. She does. She's just... Like, she wasn't trained for battle. I think she's coming to understand her strength as a person and realizing that she can be a writer in her own right, mm-hmm. but her heart is uh, softer than a lot of the other writers. Yeah. So because of how her and Zayden are so interconnected, um, Zayden assigns a bodyguard essentially for mm-hmm. Violet and his name is Liam and He's quite a likable character. He is very likable. Considering how new this story is, there's I've seen fan art of Liam, and it was before I even finished the story. So I was like, oh, he must like become a bigger character. So it's like, I think he's a fan favorite. Yeah, I agree. And what's so funny about the fan art is whenever I've seen fan art of Liam, I instantly know it's him before even like reading oh, this, really? like yeah like I was like that looks like Liam from fourth wing and then I it's like Liam from fourth wing and I'm like <laughs> yeah you totally got it good job <laughs> like yeah no he's kind of like the rock star of the first years he's just very good at everything mm-hmm. and we do learn that that is much because of Zayden him and Zayden actually grew up in the same foster family together and Zayden kind of trained him because mm-hmm. they were both one of the, like, have the rebel relics on them mm-hmm. and kind of owes his life to Zayden and stuff. So he is the one also who revealed to Violet about the essentially conscription of the mm-hmm. marked ones, the kids with yeah. the rebellion relics, because she had no idea that that's how it yeah. worked. And they become, like, super, super close friends because he literally follows her everywhere and sometimes he sleeps outside her door. Yeah. <laughs> Much to and her he, And he has like a little cork where he's always car- like wood carving with a knife. Yeah. And he, and he, he always makes, makes the dragons. And, yeah. Yeah. And just super love his character. You know, and he's like flirty, but like not in a way that. Not in a gross way. No. And yeah. very much not like he's actually trying to do anything with her. Just like. Yeah. He's just, just a very like a flirty friendly person. For, yeah. Yeah. No, I really like their relationship that develops. Yeah. And kind of going back again to the dragons and the fact that Zayden and Violet's dragons are connected 
And then they kind of have this telepathic situation going on between like all four of them because of that. We There's a scene where the two dragons are having an intimate moment together. And typically the dragons would put up a shield when they're going to be engaging in such activities. But this time they had forgotten, which meant the full impact of the emotions that were happening on the dragon's end were being flooded to their human bonded humans. So all of a sudden, Violet is feeling all these things she's not quite sure about. And she ends up kind of going for a walk because she's like, oh, I need to get out of here. Things are She even looks at Liam for a second yeah. and she's kind of like, oh boy, you could help yeah. me scratch this itch. And then it's like, she's clearly not herself, right? Yeah. I think at that point, she's like, I need to get out of here before I do something I regret. <laughs> yeah. But she ends up running into Zayden, who has also removed himself from people to make sure he doesn't do anything he regrets. And so the two people who are in this very lustful kind of energy going on yeah. are now face to face. And they end up having their own little romantic moment. But... Zayden does kind of eventually realize like we are only doing this because of what our dragons are doing and has the wherewithal to kind of pull back. But Violet is like not super happy about it. She was ready to just give in. (laughs) She's been nursing a pretty big crush on Zayden. Like she's Mm -hmm. so physically attracted to him. And then the more you learn about him, like just the better he gets. (laughs) Yeah. She, the physical attraction was there from day one. It was just kind of the mental idea of him being like her enemy mm-hmm. and yeah. then realizing, okay, maybe he's not this monster that everybody paints him to be. Like mm-hmm. he's not his father. He is his own person. And the more she learns about him and the more she just sees like how protective he becomes of her, I think the more she starts to have feelings for him as a person and like it it's less about the physical and more about like the mental. Yeah. And she does feel the spark, by the way. Mm-hmm. Unlike oh, with yeah. Dane, right? <laughs> yeah. I that think she like a- knows that it's like a true spark, but I think part of her maybe is like, oh, maybe it was just like the dragon thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like trying to convince herself that maybe she's like overreacting. Yeah. But you can definitely see like the tension between them. This is like the kind of slow burn romance aspect of it. It's always there. You can definitely see they both like each other, but they're both trying to convince themselves that they don't. Yeah, exactly. So eventually um, Violet's uh, signet does manifest Mm -hmm. and it actually like manifests in kind of a time of stress, but it comes out and she can wield lightning. That is so cool. And it's like such a, it's such an impressive moment when she chooses to wield it, but it's also very meaningful because she ends up killing somebody with her lightning. Yeah. So it's like the first time she uses her power, she takes a life. And this is the first time she's ever directly killed anybody. Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty intense. And also she doesn't really have the most control over her power. So like, in, in that time, it was, it was like, good that she killed that person. Yeah. But, like, if she were to be like, okay, uh, like, to make a targeted attack, she doesn't have that type of control. Like, yeah. she, I want the lightning to go there and it goes over there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, she needs help with her <laughs> con- controlling her signet. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because like what was happening was they were in the middle of they have war battles, so they're in the middle of the war battles, and Jack tries to kill Liam. So in revenge of Liam, uh, she ends up lightning striking the mountain the that Jack was kind of on, yeah. or the tower, sorry, that Jack was on, and the tower cl- collapses, and that's what kills him. And she so she didn't Jack. actually like, yeah, she kills Jack because the tower collapses. Yeah. So it wasn't like she meant to kill him. It was just the situation unfolded was, in such a way. Yeah. And thankfully Liam is okay and he survives the situation. Uh, but what was, an intense it, offensive power. Yeah. And it was a very like just intense moment in general because of so many things that were happening at yeah. that during the first battle yeah. of the war battles that were going on. But you're yeah. right. She did have to start like training this crazy power she now has. Yeah, I, I didn't expect, I was so curious to know what like her signet would be and I wasn't expecting yeah. it to be something so cool. <laughs> I 100% thought it was going to be healing and she yeah. even thought it was going to be healing. Yeah. In the story, it says that she thought she was going to have healing and I was like, that would make so much sense because she's, you know, has some physical setbacks that if she could heal herself, that would be so helpful, like meaningful, <laughs> helpful for her. Yeah. And her brother had healing powers. That was his signet. And, and like, they oh, also they mentioned how rare it was. So I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, it could be. Yeah. I think that was a, an intentional red herring. Yes. So after the first battle, they end up winning the chance to go off and see um, an actual combat station. She ends up meeting up with her sister who's stationed there. And Rhiannon actually gets to meet up with her sister who recently had a baby, which is like a really happy little moment. But it was cut short because there was an attack at that area. And all throughout, we're kind of hearing about these attacks that are happening more and more often. And it's kind of like puts a little question in your mind, like what's going on? Why are there oh, yeah, more attacks words, happening? Words failing and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of the reasons why the humans and dragon have teamed up is because the dragons can create these wards around the town that they're like around their continent area. And so a lot of things are happening in the background in regards to the safety of the people as a whole. So at this point in the story, Violet and Zayden have kind of given in to their ongoing will they, won't they love thing that they have going on. And they fully just commit to being in at least a sexual relationship. And it's a very electric relationship, one might say. They end up basically completely destroying her room. Yeah, it's actually so intense. (laughs) It's very intense. And like her room is like her wardrobe needs to be replaced. Her like (laughs) sparring totem thing needs to like it's just absolutely (laughs) destroyed. And in the process of cleaning up, they actually find the book that her sister had kind of snuck to her. So when she went and visited her sister, she had snuck her her childhood fables book that talks all about fables and different fairy tale creatures. And in the book, she sees that there's a little note written by her dad and it's kind of talking about picking sides and like, he knows she'll make the right choice. And she's like really confused about what this message her dad was trying to say, but kind of near the end of his life, he was so heartbroken by the death of her brother that he wasn't really acting his normal self. So she 
kind of puts it aside and was like, oh, I don't know, maybe he just wasn't feeling quite well when he wrote this, but it's in the back of her mind. And their relationship continues to kind of go on. And they have like, that's kind of like the first time. And then I think they were a little bit like, oh, maybe we shouldn't still, or trying to keep it under wraps a tiny bit. Like they don't want to throw Like it's not against the rules for her to be in a relationship with a wing leader, but it's a little bit frowned upon for first mm-hmm. years and wing leaders to be engaging. So they're like not throwing in people's faces, but they do end up having another very explosive night together. And when they're like engaging in their, their moment, <laughs> Liam, her little shadow, who's always around, um, normally he's not around when they're doing this, but he no. does come up and is like, cause she's with Zayden. He does come up and like bangs on the door and he's like, we're being attacked. So they're under the impression that the school is being attacked. But it turns out that it's actually just the second battle in the war battles that they have to compete in. And so they end up getting sent off to these different areas to compete. So like each, they like kind of are divided into various groups and each group is sent to a different tower location that they need to sort of defend and things get really really twisty here at first dane is very reluctant for her to go on zayden's team and is like no she needs to come on my team but he doesn't have any say in it she has to go like she's going with zayden so he gives her like the weirdest farewell ever and it's just like i'll miss you kind of like nice knowing you sort of thing And you're like, that's really weird, dude. But you don't think too much of it at this moment. But we really see that this is kind of like a big twist on that nice boy trope. And we see how not nice Dane actually ends up being Mm -hmm. uh, when we realize what's going on here. They end up flying to kind of a fort or hold that is sort of near the border between Navarre and... How do we say it? Poromil. Poromil. Mm-hmm. Navarre and Poromil. And the they're like sitting down by a lake and all of a sudden these griffin riders come in. And Violet is just like, what is happening? Because the griffin riders are the people who have been attacking them. Mm-hmm. So they are the people of Poromil. And Poromil is at, at war with Navarre. So Navarre has the dragons and they are fighting Poromil with the griffin riders and so she's like completely baffled about what's going on here and it turns out that zayden has been working with the griffin riders giving them weapons so they are these specific special weapons that can kill venom and venom are these creatures that we heard about in the fairy tales so violet is just like feeling so incredibly betrayed Like I was, I can't even express how mad I was at this point. I remember like reading up to this moment and sending you a message being like, he better not, this better not be going where I think it's going. This cannot be happening right now. I was so mad. Mm -hmm. So Violet is told that the fables in her storybook are actually real, that the venom, these creatures that like suck the magic from the, the earth and they have like these blood red eyes and they're basically like these soulless evil magic wielders. 
who have created wyverns as their mounts, they're real. And they have been attacking the people of, um, sorry. Poramil. Poramil. They have been attacking the people of Poramil. So when they suck the magic out of the earth, they destroy that land. So the barrens is actually where they have been residing, but they've completely depleted the resources from that land. So are now encroaching on Poramil territory. And the Poramil Poro Poro meal people <laughs> have been fighting for their lives and they have been asking yeah. Navar for help and assistance, but Navar has been lying to their people saying like pretending they don't know anything about this. And so it's like My this goodness. massive shocking moment of like our, like the country or it's not a country. They don't call it that, but I keep referring it to that because that's what we call territories yeah but navarre's leaders have been hiding from their people the fact that there is this war happening and kind of covering up the truth so mm-hmm. violet has been raised thinking one that venom and wyvern are fake and just mythical creatures and two that the people of Poramil are the bad guys mm-hmm. but in reality they're just trying to survive mm-hmm. and so zayden knows the truth and he's been trying to help them. And actually, Zayden's father and the whole uprising that happened was because of this. It was because the people in the uprising were just trying to help. And the kind of heads of Navarre didn't want it to get out. So they hushed the whole situation by saying they were rebels. Yeah. So Violet, this goes back to like her character of like she's got that internal moral compass. She's mm-hmm. not going to like discriminate against poor meal in this situation because those villages, regardless of the war, whatever, those are innocent people like civilians. So she can see that like Zayden is doing the right thing. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being in her position though? Like being the daughter of the general Sorengale, who is basically like, essentially mm-hmm. enemy number one well by choosing zayden and to like believe him she's completely betraying her family and going against them it's like she has to choose between her family and like exactly, the reality but she's like, facing the way that violet sort of goes the way that she operates is her internal moral compass mm-hmm. not necessarily i'm gonna do this because of my blood or i'm gonna do this because of the rules I'm going to do this because this is the right thing to do or not to do. Yes. So, yeah. This story is really big on like right versus wrong. Mm-hmm. And she's like the moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole thing is kind of set up on purpose because the person who sends Zayden's crew to that area specifically did it because they knew what was going on. So the betrayal of a lifetime is actually not what Zayden did. It turns out that Dane has been reading Violet's memories without her knowing. So he would loving, caringly put his hand on her face as a sign of comfort. But secretly, he's been reading her memories. And so he knows information about Zayden and the kind of higher ups that he's been telling have put together what Zayden's doing. So this has been a setup for Zayden. He now has to either help because... We also find out 
a then an attack is about to happen right by where they are. So mm -hmm. either they can stay and help the people of Pomel, Poromel, or they can go back and finish the battle with their school. So now they have to choose. And of course, they choose the right thing to do, which is to go and help the innocent people who are about to be decimated by these venom things. That is so disgusting that Dane did that. Mm -hmm. Like, well, he's, and just, not only he's probably just following the chain of command, but that's just it. Like, he's the perfect little soldier, right? Oh, completely. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it leaves such a sour taste. I kind of like it, though, in this, like, I like the way his character's written. Because it's always like, oh, the good little boy next door. Like, your family likes him. He's so sweet. He always does the right thing. And it's like, perhaps it's not always the right thing. Maybe doing the right thing or, like, doing, like, what on paper seems like the right thing. Like, following the rules isn't the right thing Necessarily. to do. Yeah. And it just really sheds a light on, no, sometimes you need to break the rule in order to do the right thing. He's not strong in character. Like he, he's, he's going to follow the rules. He's going to follow the leader, whether the leader is corrupt or not. Exactly. So, yeah. So I foresee like a huge, it's almost like a villain arc oh. type situation just because yes. like, how can it not go there? Mm hmm. Right. Yeah, that'd be really powerful to see that because like she still obviously will care about him in some sense. They were friends yeah. for a very long time. So that will be really hard if she has yeah. to like face against him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's coming. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But as you said, they do choose to stay and fight, which kind of ultimately means they're betraying their like Navarre. And so I think there's like they're on the run if they choose to stay like they can't really go back because no. they've ousted themselves and because everyone else in the group outside of the violet has the rebel relics like it's a capital offense for them mm -hmm. to kind of betray mm -hmm. navarre so yeah. oh the battle though is it's so intense i think this is probably the most intense like like all the other battles were more set up for the college like this is the yeah. only like super real battle yeah. that we see yeah and they make it worth it She's trying very hard to, to wield her lightning in a way that makes sense, but like she's totally new at it. And so mm -hmm. there's like all this crazy lightning happening, not where she wants it to. <laughs> <laughs> but she does manage to combine her signet power with Andarna's time slewing power. And by doing that, it gives her the opportunity to kind of like aim the bolt where she wants it to go. Mm -hmm. And the way it's described is so cool. How it's like slowly just like coming down. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then she kills that venom creature and it's pretty cool. But yeah, it was just such a crazy twist. And then after mm -hmm. you can do this part, this is like the, the biggest reveal ever well e before that big reveal we do have we do have to talk about one thing that happens during the battle that is a real downer so they do end oh, up winning right. the battle yeah but something incredibly sad happens i i like that it's realistic i knew someone was gonna die in this battle because i like i feel like this story just is that way but i was hoping it would be someone i didn't 
get attached to. Mm. But of course, it had to be someone who I grew to like very much in this story. And Liam ends up dying Mm -hmm. because his dragon is killed by one of the Waverns and he cannot survive without his dragon. Yeah. And it just shows the incredible nature of the bond between the dragons and their mount or the dragons and their humans. And just like the heartbreaking moment of like Liam wanting to be with his dragon and Violet feeling so awful that cause like he saved her. Like she should have been the one who was dead, but he literally him and his dragon literally jumped in front of the waver and attack and saved her. And he ended, it cost him his life. So there's like a lot of emotions yeah, it was very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Not Liam. I feel like Kill it could have been. I know. I was like, it could have been literally any other of the yeah. well, except for Zayden and Violet. I just wanted Liam to like literally everyone else in that troop could have died, and it would have yeah. been sad. Like Imogen, yeah. which uh, is somebody who, if you read the books, like she's a pretty cool character, and she was there, and like that would have been sad if she died. But like Liam. Liam. I know. Uh, it just, I'm still not over it, clearly. Uh, In the process, Violet also becomes injured significantly. And Zayden has yet another choice to make. Does She's poisoned. She gets stabbed by oh, yeah. a blade of a venom and she gets poisoned. And Zayden has to make a choice of how, like what he can do to save her. So he brings her somewhere. We don't know where he brings her, but he he says, we have to bring her to this location. And they're like, are you sure you want to do that? If you do, like, the people he's around, they're like, if you do that, there's no going back. And he's like, mm-hmm. it's literally the only way to save her. So they go there, and a healer ends up healing her. And she wakes up in a place she thought didn't exist anymore. Yeah. Do you want to do it? No, nope, you do it. You go for it. You want me to? Okay. Yeah. So... In the whole rebel rebellion situation, they end up just completely decimating the city of the peoples who had kind of turned and were trying to help and poor meal. And so that city is gone. As far as Violet knows, it no longer exists. However, secretly, the people of that city have been rebuilding it. And Zayden actually has been involved in this process of rebuilding it. But no one is really looking in that direction anymore. So no one has noticed that it's being rebuilt. And his family was like a pretty high up family. So he ended up kind of inheriting this almost like castle-like structure that he rebuilt and he brought her there. And she finally wakes up and he's like so grateful to see her and that she's alive. And she's still like really taken aback. And it's like, I don't know if I can trust you. Like, yes, I agreed to be on your side because it was the right thing. But like, I still don't want this to be a thing. And then the ultimate thing happens. She's a little like, okay, what's going on? Like, what, where am I? Like figures out where she is. And he keeps talking about a person. And we're actually seeing this from Zayden's point of view, which is completely different because the entire book has been from Violet's point of view. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden we're on Zayden's point of view. And he keeps like mentioning this person wanting to see her and like, oh, he's going to be so like, he keeps talking about this him. And then all of a sudden the door opens and in walks Violet's brother if you have forgotten is supposed to be dead 
And he actually was the person who healed her because he has the healing signet. Ah. Oh, that was such a big bombshell. I did not see that mm-hmm. coming at all. No. I think this is probably one of the biggest twists, surprises. Yeah. And we had talked about another book where there was a big twist surprise in it. And we we're like, oh, that one was like so surprising. Didn't see like this one topped it significantly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no way. Mm-hmm. Huh. And like, that's where it ends. Like it. book yeah. one done. Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. And you had sent me a message asking, did I think that, is it Brendan? Brennan. Brennan. Did I think Brennan and Zayden were working together the whole time? Or did I think it was something that kind of happened throughout? And I personally feel like Brennan has been working with the like rebel group. Yeah. Since his apparent death. I think that Zayden's dad faked Brennan's death because Brennan wanted to be on their team. And that was kind of the mm-hmm. best way to for do to do it. So I have another question to expand on that. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I think I think it's a big yes that Zayden's been working with Brennan since the beginning. Because on my re- reread, all of that animosity that Violet was saying was between them was one-sided mm-hmm. she was always like oh my god he's gonna kill me that's kind of a, like an idea she came up with on her own he wasn't like it wasn't like jack where he's like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> yeah i will kill you mm-hmm. that was never said zayden has always gone out of his way to help her only mm-hmm. so and i think him moving the squad into his wing was another move to protect her so yeah. I, I want to ask you this question now, though. Do you think the whole thing between Taryn and Violet bonding was also manufactured? Like, was that a strategic move? Because Taryn chose Violet for, we still don't really know why. We're assuming it's because of her smarts and because she was saving, like, she was feisty and, like, fighting for Andarna with no regard to her own life, Right. Yeah, I think he does specifically say that that's why he picked her is because she said, she said what, like she asked Taryn, Violet asked Taryn, why did you choose me? Dragons choose strength. And he responded to her that there's more than one way to be strong, essentially. Like strength comes in many forms. But I'm wondering though, if he, because he's made it to scale. Mm -hmm. So he knows everything that's going on. Is Taryn not on Navarre's side do you know what I mean like has he has he been like maybe is he on this other side because he and and Darna and Scale and everybody have kind of like known what's going on been known and Violet's the one who's been in the dark so I'm just Mm -hmm. wondering like did they choose like did they like because Taryn is like the most powerful dragon aside from General Melgren's dragon was that like a strategic move to bring Taryn over into like this group that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I I feel as though he chose her because like, he did know what was going on because he can read Scale's mind, so he knew. And I think he believes that the leadership of Navarre is not the right leadership for Navarre. So yeah. it's not that he's against Navarre. I think that he is for Navarre, which is why he is kind of on, is okay with everything that's going on. 
And I think that he maybe could see that Violet was a key to the whole thing. Yeah. And like, he thinks it's the right side, but he also like, I think he says like, he didn't want to persuade her. He wanted her to make the choice on her own, Mm -hmm. but he like had faith. She would choose. I just think that like it, the whole Taryn choosing Violet goes deeper than her just defending Indarna. I think he could sense in her that she was the key to the bigger problem that is going on between the factioning areas of the continent. Mm-hmm. And one other thing that is said, I think that Zayden says it about her. I don't know if it was Zayden or could have been Taryn also about her power and basically saying like your power is the key to everything. Like your power can change the world. I mean, she can like direct, it's essentially like placing bombs without having to place a bomb. Like, I got the sense it was more than like the physical nature of her power though. Like, I feel like there's something more about her and maybe it goes back yet, to what, you mean? yeah. And like, like how her power might develop. But mm-hmm. I wonder if it goes back to what you're saying at the beginning, like maybe she was somehow marked from birth. And then like, mm-hmm. this is kind of like, one of those stories where it's like birthright, you're the chosen, like a chosen one. Yeah. yeah. Like she's the chosen one and Taryn knows before others that yeah. she is this chosen one and that he was like, yeah, somehow recruiting her mm-hmm. to the side he felt was right. Yeah. I just felt like it was m- like definitely more than just like the whole war school dragon threshing that everybody does. I think that there was like a lot more strategy and, and also something that goes deeper, like with her hair <laughs> and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think like all these elements combined together, we're going to, we're still in for like some more really big reveals, I think. No, I completely agree. The fact that we've gotten some pretty significant reveals at the end of this story, I think just means that Rebecca is thinking a lot deeper than I am about this book, like obviously. Um, But I think there's just like a lot more shocking things to come. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I just, I I was just thinking like when I was doing my reread, I was like, man, Zayden has never been like, I'm going to kill you kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But the fact remains that Violet held all this hostility and sort of fear towards Zayden because she thought that his father killed her brother, but he didn't. Yeah. However, her mother did oversee the execution of his father. Yeah. So he has all these reasons to hate the Soren Gale name, but she doesn't because her brother's alive. <laughs> she doesn't have the same um, reason to feel to feel that anymore like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how book two plays out. Mm-hmm. I think that her mom is even more evil than, like, she's clearly evil, but I think it goes deeper. Um, so in the book of, is the book, okay, well, you know, like, those little things before each chapter? Sometimes it's from the book oh, of I Brennan. Sometimes it's from, like, the Codex. Sometimes it's from, like, different mm-hmm. history books. And in one of them, it mentioned that... General Sorengale was not for the um, yes, it did the children being conscripted into the Riders Quadrant, mm-hmm. so that like she was overridden, like indecision. But that does show a softer side of her. Yeah, I mean, I would much prefer 
if the twist is like she's being wor- like the whole Brennan thing was set up by her. She knows he's alive and like she secretly like working for the other team. But and like maybe harsh she and mean. is the way she can get Violet out of like Navarre. She couldn't get her out as a scribe, really. Yeah. So maybe she sent her into the Riders Quadrant so that she could like meet up with Zayden and then like so I have hope that maybe her mom is ultimately like a, a good guy in this whole situation and has been kind of fooling everybody. But the fact that her mom's name is Lilith, which is like Satan's <laughs> wife or something. Yes. yes. Is a little bit concerning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like it could I I think I would enjoy the story either way if mom is like pure evil incarnate or if she's like totally playing everybody and yeah. is actually like the mastermind of the rebels and is like the ultimate good guy. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know but. if I'd go as far as that, but I just wonder like what's the point of putting in that little snippet that mm-hmm. she was against the the children of the rebels being conscripted into the rider's quadrant. Like, Unless it just meant she wanted them to die, because that originally is what was going to happen, is they were all going to just die, wasn't it? And then Oh, well, Zayden then she's just like, super evil. So I don't know, because I could be getting this wrong, but my understanding is they were just going to be dealt with as their parents were through fire, dragon fire. But then yeah. Zayden was like, I will take on the responsibility of each and every single one of these children, which is why he has all the marks on his back is that was his like vow to kind of take on whatever choices the children make, he would have to take on the responsibility of like facing the consequences of that. Yes. So instead of find that quote now, because I'm like, when I I wonder if she wanted them all to just be put to death. Yeah. I mean, that seems more, I, I was like, oh, look, extra depth to her character. But then maybe I like misunderstood. Maybe I was like. <laughs> well, I think when we read that quote, we don't know about the alternative. Because oh. Liam always goes, oh, I owe Zayden my life. But like he literally owes him his life because it, it's only because of Zayden's sacrifice that the children got a chance to live and prove themselves. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look for that quote again because now I want to reread it just to see, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because when I first read it, I was like, oh, so there's a sliver of goodness in her. Yes, I remember feeling the same way. Okay. So maybe it was before we find out the whole, they were just going to be. Because it's quite near the end the that we find out. End? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The, the quote, I think, is in the first half, maybe, or, or around the middle. And then we find out just what Zayden has done, I think, very close to the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, like you said, her name is Lilith, so that could just be straight up foreshadowing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I should have looked up what violets mean. <laughs> now I want to look up what violets mean. Look it up. Let us know. 
The violet can signify modesty and humility and is often looked upon as a sign of innocence. Bunches of violets were hence used as gifts for newlyweds. Violets are symbolic of faith, mystical awareness, inspiration, spiritual passion, profuseness, and sovereignty. You say fate? Faith. Oh. Oh, that would have worked so much better if it said fate. Right? I mean, Violet has had to have a lot of faith in herself and what she's doing and that faith in Satan. Mm -hmm. It still works. I'm saying it works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us today in this in-depth discussion we had on Fourth Wing. And uh, we hope to see you next week. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.